Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. Join host Dan Melnick and Kasim Masood as they explore big ideas, limitless possibilities, and engage with visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who dare to dream big. Get inspired, motivated, and find practical tips for personal growth. Think big, dream bigger, and ignite your potential. All right, welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim, and our guest today is Liang. So Liang, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us what you do and where you live. Hi. Okay. My name is Liang. I currently live in Austin. I just moved to the States last year from China. Um, I have been running a bakery business in China for 14 years. Before bakery business, I was a management consultant at McKinsey. Um, so it was quite a career change for me, um, moving from a management consulting industry to a baked goods industry. Um, so since, ever since we started the business, we expanded from Beijing to Shanghai um, and to a few more Chinese cities. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we were already a 400 people team in China. And really thanks to the pandemic, we decided, my business partner and I decided to come to the States, partially because my, my business partner is from the States. He came back to the States um, during pandemic and it's, it was really difficult for international traveling. So, <laughs> so he, he was kind of stuck here and he thought, okay, why don't we uh, start something here? Um, I mean, we clearly have can bring some like Asian um, inspired dessert to the US market. So then we, I thought that was like a crazy idea um, because I thought starting, expanding business from Beijing to Shanghai uh, was already a big challenge for us because uh, the culture is different from between two cities. And not to mention expanding a business from China to the States. Um, that seems like impossible for me. Um, so because although I have like experiences working in different countries while I was working for McKinsey, um, I've never studied abroad uh, for like a long time. Um, so um, definitely like making the decision to come to the States to start the business is has been the biggest challenge so far uh, for myself in my life. But I'm really happy um, I made the decision and I have been really enjoying this uh, new brand new startup life in Austin. So last year, while we were searching for a kitchen uh, to make our chocolate and pastries, um, we found a commissary kitchen um, in South Austin. So we decided to to buy, to acquire that kitchen. Um, and so right now we are running a commissary kitchen business together with um, our craft chocolate and dessert business. And we will set up a food trailer um, in South Austin maybe next week. So it's coming very soon. That's really exciting. So what made you want to go from consulting into starting a bakery business? Yeah, everyone asked me that question. <laughs> well, apparently I love, I always love baked goods. I think when I first started the business, I really loved eating the baked goods. But now I more enjoy like making them because um, I'm eating them every day. <laughs> um, so um, actually what really inspired me to 
changed my career from a management consultant to an entrepreneur was my experience in 2008. Um, I worked as a volunteer in the Sichuan province in China after the big earthquake. So there, there was a deadly earthquake which killed uh, 100, 110,000 population um, in Sichuan that year. So I, I was still with McKinsey at that time, and McKinsey had uh, sent a pro bono team um, to Sichuan to work with the local government uh, to help with the post-earthquake uh, reconstruction. When, when we were there, uh, one of the projects was to help the local government to estimate the GDP loss. Um, it sounds like it, it was a crazy task because we need to go door by door to visit those um, companies to understand their loss, um, basically to ask the company owners how many people died, how much revenue loss would you expect from this earthquake? When do you think you can go back to production? I thought that would be a really tough conversation because basically you are asking people the saddest part of their life. Um, but to my surprise, I, I've interviewed um, maybe over 30 entrepreneurs in the in Sichuan province. Um, and every entrepreneur I visited, they're like, no, nobody is at home or um, out of work. Everyone is still in their company. Maybe they're just sitting in the garage or um, sitting under the sun. Um, setting up some very basic computers, like using their phone for internet connections and talking to their clients, taking care of their employees. So I was really moved by um, their entrepreneurship. So they just, uh, to my understanding, entrepreneurship is just to find um, the opportunity, try their best to find opportunities to survive, not only for themselves, but for their entire team for, for the business. Um, so um, I was really inspired um, because before this um, this earthquake, like pro bono volunteering work, my dream was to work in the nonprofit world um, to solve the social problems. Um, but then at, at this earthquake, um, during the earthquake, I realized what can really help people is to provide job opportunities to um, help people um, have better skills, to, to, to have the ability to, um, to raise their family um, rather than just donating some money to, to give, give to the poor. Um, so I think running a business is probably what I can do the best to the society. Um, and to run a business, I know it, it, it must be very challenging. So I have to find something that I have passion, have passion for. Um, so therefore, you know, as a management consultant, our skills were mostly PowerPoint and Excel. Um, <laughs> um, and my college background was like biological sciences. So like none of these can give me a seemingly uh, like prospect of what I could do. So I decided to start from something that I have passion about and it won't require a lot of like startup fund. So uh, my business partner and I, we, we bootstrapped the, the business um, just using our savings um, from our previous career. Um, and we started the business in a very tiny studio in Beijing. Um, and gradually from a two people team gradually expanded to to now almost 500 people 
um, in China. So yeah, we still grew a lot during the pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah so. awesome. <laughs> By the way, I'm in the neighborhood of China, so I'm uh, pretty much familiar with the Chinese because I know how hardworking they are and uh, <laughs> how they are proactive. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, the in China, uh, one of the biggest difference between running a business in China and in the U.S. is about uh, your anticipations about people's working hours. In China, everyone wants to work longer hours to make more money. Um, yeah. So work-life balance came way after uh, making a good fortune to buy your family a new home, uh, to save enough money for retirement. Yeah, just to, <laughs> to try to make as money as much money as possible. It's it's funny. Yesterday, I have uh, I had an HR meeting with my China team, and we talked about retirement. So there there are employees who have been working with us for over ten years, and they mm -hmm. have reached the age to um, to go go retired. Um, but we still want to keep them in the team, but we may need to have them work like shorter working hours for their health. Um, as also like it's part of the requirement from the Chinese labor law. Um, but it has been a very difficult conversation because everyone wants to work as long hours as they were <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but, but here, like it's, I mean, I feel people here really care more about work-life balance and working like 80 hours a week is considered not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm also like trying to adjust myself like adjust my anticipations and also like get used to the pace here um so uh yeah that's something i'm learning but i think it's also good like working shorter hours can also mean working more, more efficient so how technology is helping you in your business and in your daily life sorry could you please repeat that how how, how technology is helping you in your business and in your daily life we I, I would say we are really like a technology empowered company <laughs> um so my business partner so his background was computer science so none of us is um is a baker so i'm really strong in like analytical skills and he's really good at like software engineering so I think from day one, we would say like making dessert is like half um, half art, half half science. Um, and so, so we have been using like a lot of like technology tools to to help the business to run more efficiently. Um, so in China, we deliver our cakes to our consumers. In the first five years, we didn't have physical stores. Uh, we were like online only. Um, so we have, we promise customer we can um, deliver things within three hours of them placing the order. And the delivery window was 30 minutes. So we use, we really use a lot of algorithm to calculate, um, to, to plan out the best route. Um, and there's a lot of things to be considered um, to put in that, um, uh, to make sure our our staff is not overworked uh, and cakes can be safely delivered within a reasonable amount of time. And also because we all use like electric scooters to deliver the, the pastries, uh, we also like need to consider like weather, 
uh, like the amount of time um, the battery can last, um, as well as um, like the maximum maximum numbers of cakes one person can take. And ever since we 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 started to have like physical stores, uh, we we also use a lot of algorithm to calculate like how much inventories every store needs to have because all of our products are have really short shelf life like 24 to 48 mm -hmm. hours mm -hmm. um and if we cannot sell them out we have to throw a lot of cakes away um and we have a lot of skus like over 200 skus um so we really need to have um yeah we, we input a lot of things um into our system to to have it provide um the a recommended um demand forecast for each store um and store manager will use that forecast to decide um how many products of each kind they should they should order so so these are just like a few examples and we we actually build our own erp system and also our accounting system um so that we have all the data in-house and it's it's also safer uh, for our customer profile. And right now we are thinking to, um, so it's really good. Like we, in, in the States, we can really use a lot of old recipes and to, to, to trace a lot of like, um, data in the system, um, to see what we can do here. Um, because we're actually borrowing a lot of like, um, uh, initial products we were making in China, which is like relatively simple to make. <laughs> um to to start in the US market. Um, yes. um yeah so uh yeah and we have all the like labor data in 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 the system and we can see like mm -hmm. which products so the difficult levels of different um paste like pastries. Um uh, so we can select the, the ones that uses less labor um <laughs> to to start to start with because like labor cost is also significantly different here from china so just a yeah, few indeed. examples of technology <laughs> <laughs> indeed that's cool so uh are you guys using ai or do you have some vision to go towards the ai implement ai in your business or how you are if you are using ai how you are using ai yeah we have been using ai for for a long time i have to say maybe some of the algorithm is also like can can also be set called as ai um because it it, it needs to 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 learn the the like when we do the, the logistic like how to dispatch orders uh for different delivery staff uh we will feed the system with like how human like how our logistic managers manually dispatch orders and they will learn their their pattern. And we are still like until today, we are still comparing um, the the human way and the computer, the AI way. Um, and and the, the machine needs to learn from what the the person is actually doing because not all the lo like logic can cover um, the way they they decide who to give more orders or less orders. Uh, and also, we we actually uh, once we fed this the um, our our system a lot of pictures of cakes, so that when we sent the the cake, um, because we take pictures of every single cake we make, um, and we try to teach the machine which are the good ones, which are not so good ones, because we have 
quite complicated nice. patterns. Um, nice. So yeah, and we actually work with uh, a machine learning uh, scientist, um, a French guy living in Hong Kong. Uh, he we that we dedicated him to do this freelance job um, to work on this machine learning project. So he was like reading, having the machine to read a lot of our cake pictures um, um, to 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 try to see if we can delegate part of the QC work to the computer um, because our old way was to have someone standing there to look at the cakes one by one, and there will always be fights because. This person thinks, okay, this cake looks good enough. And the, the other person thinks, no, this cake cannot go to the consumer <laughs> because it's all like hand, handmade. So there must be uh, some errors. And to what extent the errors can be allowed uh, need a better judge so that we don't have a lot of fights in our team. Um, yeah. And these yeah. days, so ever since like OpenAI, um, is getting popular and also ChatGPT. Uh, we have been we have been using ChatGPT to help our IT team to do uh, code transitions. Um, because when we first started the uh, our to to build our own system, uh, we used um, the language uh, Ruby on Rails, um, and the language was popular in China in the early 2010s. Uh, but these days, there are more and more like JavaScript people on the market uh, or like Java. Um, so it's very hard for us to, to hire engineers who can write code, who can code in mm -hmm. Ruby on Rails. So, um, yeah, so we need to translate the code base. And like our code base is like over a million lines. So it's impossible to use. <laughs> human beings <laughs> to do that translation work. Um, yeah. yeah, so ChatGPT helped a lot. Um, and also we will use like uh, Midjourney or um, or uh, or DAO-E to generate some concept for cake designs uh, or for like uh, a model, like a model for like packaging design. Um, yeah, just to get mm -hmm. an idea. I mean, these things are not directly usable um, but it gave us, gave our designer team a lot of inspirations and that really enhanced the efficiency significantly. So what is your top priority in the next three to six months? Like you mentioned, obviously in a week, you're going to have this new food truck, but I just, you know, in terms of getting the word out or what does that look like in terms of top priorities for you? Top priorities for me, I think top three things first is to, to get people. <laughs> I think people is always the top priority for a business. Uh, we need to get the U.S. team bigger uh, to find people that share our value. Who's also like passionate in the craft chocolate and pastry business uh, who want to grow with us. People is number one. And secondly, is to um, is to keep the China business uh, grow um, steadily. Uh, because that's like um, that's very important for the the cash flow. So because for the U.S. side, we are still at the investing phase. We need to spend a lot of money. So we need to make sure uh, the Chinese business can grow healthily uh, with like less less of my time managing uh, the team. So I would say. Yeah, and keep the China, China business grow also like people is very important. So we have been like really setting up the right team structures 
uh, to make sure the team that everyone is well motivated um, and they can they can work well um, without the founders in China. Um, I think the third, if we want to say the third priority, the third priority is really for is is really for my like personal side because among all the uh, business challenges, uh, my dad was diagnosed with cancer in June, so that really changed my personal schedule a lot. So I have been traveling uh, between China and the states like maybe every three weeks. Um, so I spent three weeks in China um, and then three to four weeks in the States. So so really like to taking care of my parents have been have become um, like have raised to like one of my top priorities, um, because I think among everything, um, I, I think something is um, like for business growing, like you can wait, but for for families, um, there's like the time cannot reverse. So um, these are my top priorities. But I'm I'm very happy. So my dad um, has been the chemotherapy has been effective, um, and I'm trying to get them visa to the states because they did. They haven't visited the U.S. for a long time and have been sending them pictures of the new food trailer, our new website, our kitchen. Um, so um, I, I want to make the U.S. business also a, a little like hope for my dad uh, to so that he can have the so he can be empowered to to get better uh, quickly so that he can visit me. In the states. Awesome. So, what is the one biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew before you started being an entrepreneur? That's a hard question. Well, let me share a piece of advice that yeah. uh, I think that's really valuable before <laughs> I started the business, which is to start as early as possible. You don't have to get ready, or you don't have to wait uh, until you're ready because you're never ready. I remember at the at during the last year um, when I was at McKinsey, I worked four years at McKinsey. Um, I was deciding if I should go to business school, if I should join a venture capital firm, or if I should go do like social enterprise. And one of my mentors told me, um, if you want to do start your own business, start as early as possible, because $100 to a 26 years old is very different than like to a 35 years old. Um, your lifestyle, you can like starting a business requires you to have a, a pretty tough lifestyle at the at the, at the early early days. So uh, if you're used to like um, sleeping in five star hotels, taking business class, then you can hardly start a business like or bootstrapping a business. So I really appreciated that advice, and I'm glad I started like when I was 26 and. I did live um, a li live a very like pretty like frugal life. So like nowadays, when when I restarted everything in the states, I drive I drive a pickup truck everywhere. Like I have to lift everything myself <laughs> from time to time, uh, or or clean the clean the dumpster myself. But I'm okay with everything because I have I I've experienced that in my twenties, and I have been through like starting factories, new stores in China in my 30s. So I'm used to a, a, a tough life. So restarting everything in my 
now this year I'm 40 in my early 40s I don't feel too bad so uh, I think starting early is definitely a good advice that's great so do you mind sharing your your uh, website or how somebody can find your company on social media uh-huh sure uh, well thanks for the opportunity um our US website um, is currently under the, the brand name of our craft chocolate brand Kesho. So it's www.kessho.com. Um, so Kesho is actually a Japanese word meaning crystal. So it, it pays tribute to the crystal crystallized stru structure of chocolate. Um, it also means uh, fruit from hard work in Japanese. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your time today. It was great chatting with you and wishing you the best of luck. And next week as you guys open that, that new food truck. So Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can also follow us at uh, Cashew Cacao on Instagram. <laughs> awesome. We'll do. Thank Perfect. you so much. Yeah. Okay. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. Right, right, bye. Bye.